Good morning. If you're uh, not wearing a suit this morning, then you probably don't feel as overdressed as I do. <clears throat> There's a wedding this afternoon and uh, no time to change clothes before, so. You get the almost fully dressed version of me. The fully dressed version, you know, is the Professor Jimmy with the uh, academic robe and really funny looking hat. Um, but hopefully you won't see that one here <laughs> ever. So we've been working our way through the book of Proverbs over the fall and um, have a few more weeks to look at that part of Scripture. Today we're looking at what it means to live a life of learning. And I hear that phrase, I think of a story from Germany in the 1500s when Martin Luther, one of the leaders of the Protestant Reformation, was asked a question, Brother Luther, why do you preach the gospel every week? Well, the answer to that question, I want to share it with you, but it, it only makes sense if we understand the question, which means we have to understand that word gospel. Why do you preach the gospel every week, Luther was asked. And, and, and to understand that word, we, we have to know that the gospel is a story. It's a story about the love of Jesus that answers the most important question in life. I want to talk about that question. Think of it as a coin with two sides. One side of the coin is, uh, has on it the thing that you're most afraid of in life. And on the other side of the coin is uh, the thing that you trust the most to keep you secure and safe from that thing you're most afraid of. That, that coin is the key question in life. What am I most afraid of? What is it that I'm trusting? What is against me? What is for me? Two sides of one question. That's the most important question in the whole universe. The gospel is a story about the love of Jesus that answers that question. Now, in the book of Proverbs, the way that question is summarized is talking about the fear of the Lord. The thing you fear is that thing that answers those two questions. And, and the whole of Scripture is convincing us that wisdom for living in our world starts right here. The only thing you really have to be afraid of in the end is if God the Creator Father is against you. And if He's not against you, then in the end, there will, there will be nothing to be afraid of. And if He is for you, then in the end, you will have all the life and love. I want to say all the life and love you could dream of, but it's a promise better than that. The gospel is this true story of what Jesus has done to answer this question so that we don't have to be afraid of anything and that God is for us so in the end we get all the life and love that he can imagine for eternity. The gospel is a story about Jesus and what he has done so that we can have confidence that God is not against us, that God himself is for us. So let's go back to Germany. That question, Brother Luther, why do you tell us every week this story about Jesus that gives us confidence that God is for us and that nothing can be against us? 
Why do you preach the gospel every week? And Luther's answer was, because my people forget it every week. It reminds us that we can have wisdom for life in this world and lose it. That we can be confident and, and our confidence can be shaken. That's why we need to commit, the book of Proverbs tells us, to a life of learning and relearning and going deeper and deeper with life's biggest questions. There are lots of places in Proverbs that we could hear that message. Today we're going to hear it from one of the early chapters of the book as Jim comes to read for us. Our scripture reading this morning is the first 11 verses from Proverbs chapter 2. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant for your soul. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I have a friend who uses the phrase gospel soap. He talked about how knowing this story of Jesus and what he has done so that we can have confidence that that the most fundamental realities in the whole universe were turned against him so that those same realities could be turned for us. This friend uses that phrase gospel soap because you know how it is when you try to grab a bar of soap that's wet. You think you've got it and then it's gone. And you grab it again and you think this time I it's gone. No, really, I'm going to it's gone. Um, this cycle of learning, taking hold of life's biggest questions and God's true answers to those questions for us, taking hold of that again and again and again and again. That's what a life of learning is according to the book of Proverbs. So this morning, I want us to think about some key questions for uh, a life of learning, and then we'll talk about some sort of practical strategies for living that kind of life. All the questions are going to be generated by a common image and theme that runs really throughout the whole of Scripture, but you'll see it especially prominent in the book of Proverbs, and it's the image of a path. So these are all images from one of the walks that Tricia and I took during our sabbatical um, in southwestern England. We were walking on a path that's 650 miles long. Don't worry, we didn't walk the whole thing. Um, we did about a third of it. And uh, every day, it's, 
it's just so visible right in front of you. Every, every corner you turn, you can see where to go next. It's the path. It's got twists and winds, and, and you can't properly appreciate how steep the picture on the left. It, that, that path involves going down probably 300 steps, coming to this deep valley, and then having to climb up the next one and doing that maybe 12 times in a day. Like the metaphor of the path pervades Scripture. There are twists and turns along the way. There's beauty along the way. There's questions of how close do I come to the edge before I fall into the ocean along the way. Um, the questions that we'll ask this morning about living this life of learning all emerge from that metaphor of the path. Am I on the right path? How do I deal with the dangers and the obstacles along the path? And what kind of person will I be along the way? Those are the kinds of questions that Proverbs is raising every time it uses language like path, way, walk, ways. It's calling us to ask again and again and again those questions. Am I on the right path? There's more than one path in life. That path's not always going to be straight. It's not always going to be easy. What will I do when I come to a crossroads? What will I do? When something tries to trip me up along the way, what will I do when it feels like the path itself is going to crumble under me and fall into the sea? And what kind of person will I be when I get there on the other end? Because if I'm not that kind of person on the way, I'm not going to magically become that person at the end. Proverbs is constantly asking us those questions. And so let's, uh, let's kind of look at each one in turn a little bit. Am I on the right path? You'll notice in the scripture text that Jim read for us this language over and over and over again. Verse 7 says that God is a shield for those who walk in integrity, a path of integrity. Verse 8 talks to us about paths of justice. Um, verse 8 also says that God watches over the way of his saints. And uh, we, we read that language coming up over and over and over again. God wants us to be on a path that is marked by integrity, justice, and life. Um, you come in verse 9 to this language of uh, every good path. Right? What would it be like to know that every time you set your foot on the path, it's the right one? It's the one that leads to integrity. It's the one that leads to justice. It is the one that leads to goodness. Well, God is saying there is a right path, and there's a way to know that you're on the right one. Now, there are 22 verses in this chapter of Proverbs, a little Bible hint. Um, there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. Anytime you see a chapter of the Old Testament that has 22 verses in it, you can probably bet that there's some symbolic significance of like A to Z. This is everything we didn't need to know about the path. And so the second half, we read verses 1 through 11. That's the first half of the alphabet. The second half of this chapter starts to talk about different kinds of paths. The way of evil, verse 12 says, ways of darkness and it contrasts all of those to the paths of life. God is saying 
He is for us, not against us. There is a right path, and he wants to show it to us because he wants you and he wants everybody you're in relationship with to experience life and love starting now and lasting forever. That's what he wants for us. All right, not everything along this path is easy and smooth. So what do we do when we encounter dangers and obstacles along the way? Verse 1 uses an interesting phrase. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you. The same language is used again in verse 7. It says that God stores up sound wisdom for the upright. This language about treasuring up or storing up is um, it's a metaphor for, for kind of a, I've got something valuable and I'm afraid someone's going to try to steal it, so I'm going to dig a hole and bury it to protect it, to keep it safe. One day I'm going to need this valuable thing and I want to know it's there when I need it most. So I'm going to protect it from the thing that threatens it. That this whole poem in Proverbs is, is about a world of danger, saying, you know what, there are going to be crisis moments when you need more than the average amount of treasure. There are going to be crisis moments when you need more than the average amount of wisdom. There are going to be crisis moments when you're so full of doubt and you need to be surrounded by other people who can bring more than the average amount of faith to sustain you and support you and encourage you on the way. And the promise is that God himself is storing up the wisdom you need to deal with the dangers and the obstacles on the path. Right? Go, go back to that detail of the text. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. Wow. He is watching over the way of his saints, verse 8 says. Listen to this language. Right? Verse 11 uh, says, discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. Verse 7 says that God is a shield to those who walk in integrity. He guards the paths of justice, verse 8 says. He watches over the way of his saints. That word for saints is, is the word chasid. It's people who know chesed, his loving kindness, his faithfulness, his goodness. We've been singing about it all morning. If you know his chesed, his compassionate, inexhaustible, faithful, loyal love, then you become one of his chassid, one who wants to walk in paths of love and compassion because of the way you have been loved. God's loving kindness and compassion will become a shield for you. That's how you will handle the dangers and the twists and the turns on the path. God is for us. He's not against us. When we are vulnerable and at risk, he himself says, I will be a shield around you. I'll put my son between you and everything that threatens you. I'll cause him to experience the fullness of what death is like so that one day you can be rescued from the grave because we've been singing about it has no claim over you because Jesus let it have a claim on him. There is a way to stay on this right path that leads to life and love for you and everybody you're in relationship with. 
And that way isn't that you got it all figured out and you never have doubt. That way isn't that you're awesome and everybody else sucks. That way is that God says he will be a shield. And he will store up what you need for the moments of crisis when you most doubt that it's going to be there for you. Because that's what he is like. All right, what kind of person will I be along the way? The two choices, the two paths that the book of Proverbs gives us are you're either going to be a wise person or you're going to be wise in your own eyes. You're either going to be the kind of person who knows you don't have it all figured out or you're going to be wise in your own eyes. The kind of person who says, I don't need God because I got this. I don't need you because I got this. What I basically need is everybody else to get with my program because I got this and I'm waiting for the rest of you to see it. Um, yeah, no. <laughs> Paths of integrity and justice and chesed, life-giving compassion and kindness that reflects the kindness we've received from God. Those paths don't begin with saying, I got this. I got it all figured out. They begin with being transformed deep down in the core of who we are. Listen to this detail from verse 10. If you're resting on God and trusting him for this transformation, verse 10 promises, wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Something changes inside of us so that instead of going, I got this all figured out, it becomes pleasant to us to listen to God tell us that we don't have it figured out. It becomes pleasant to us to hear him tell us what the best path is. It becomes pleasant to hear him say, you need more wisdom than you have in you, and I've stored up wisdom to give you. That becomes not just a duty and a chore, but something we delight in. If you've been around a church for a long time, you are in danger. Here's the danger. The danger is you've come to believe things that are true, but you've stopped delighting that they are true. You've come to see that God is sovereign, but you feel that as a burden and a weight and you wish he wasn't like that. You've come to believe that Jesus died and rose again, but you're tired of having to keep hearing that over and over and over again. You believe things, but you don't delight in them. Listen to God say to you today, he's for you, not against you. His loving kindness and compassion, his wisdom shared with us in Jesus are so powerful. They can change the deepest core of who we are. Wisdom will come into your heart. And the things he has for you aren't a burden or a chore, but they become a delight pleasant to your soul. A few practical strategies for living this kind of life. Uh, the first one is stay close. The next one is be quick. And the third one is go outside. Stay close. Stay close to God's mouth. Get your ear close to his mouth. I'm only saying that because God himself said it, right? Listen to the, uh, the metaphor he gives us. Verse 6, the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. 
three questions that I think we could use to make sure that we're keeping the ears of our heart close to what God has to say to us. Father, what do you want me to learn from your word? This is exposure to scripture. Am I exposing the deepest parts of who I am to the place where he has spoken? And we're going to hear as we start our Advent series from Hebrews pretty soon that God's final word is Jesus. So the whole of scripture is pointing us to Christ. Am I exposing myself along this path to that kind of truth that will always point me back to every part of scripture fulfilled in Jesus? That's the path. Father, what do you want me to learn from your word. I don't know how this works for you. I am not a, um, I've got this uh, Bible that I'm willing to write in all the time and take notes. I, I don't do that. What I found I have to do is, is like go to a website, copy all the text of, say, the book of Proverbs, print it out on notebook paper with plenty of blank space, and then if it's the first day of the month, I'm reading Proverbs chapter 1. If it's the second day, I'm reading Proverbs chapter 2. If it's, Proverbs, it's the third day, I'm reading chapter 3. If it's the fourth day, and I didn't read chapter 3 the day before because I'm sometimes a slacker, I'm reading two chapters that day, and I'm just scribbling notes that I would never write in a fancy Bible. So if you're a fancy Bible person and that's how you expose yourself to God's Word every day, great. If you're not, find another way. If you're a, I can actually hear God's word by an app on my phone without tending to all the other notifications that are going to show up while I'm using that app, great. I don't believe you, but great. <laughs> now, the reason I don't believe you is because I'm not that person, but maybe you are. But in the end, the only way this works is exposing yourself to other people who are exposing themselves to Scripture, right? Listening to God's voice, staying close to his mouth is a team endeavor. Spend time in a small group. Spend time at IDX on Sunday nights listening to Steve teach and then going away to a small group to discuss what that means. Put your, put your heart's ear close to Scripture in whatever way you can. We hope to help you do that in our worship services. That's just one day a week, other days a week. All right, next. Father, what do you want me to do in your world? How do you want me to respond to the dangers and twists and turns on the path? The circumstances keep changing. The truth of your word doesn't ever change, but the circumstances of my life constantly change. I've heard from your word. Now, what do you want me to do about it in your world? What are you calling me to? Lead me, guide me, help me answer that question. This is the practice of prayer. And you're praying, Lord, I've, I'm exposing myself to the truth about Jesus through the scriptures, and, and now I need to know what to do with that tomorrow and the next day and the next day. People I talked with this week, what were they dealing with? They're getting ready to get married this afternoon. Uh, they've been hurt by someone who loves them deeply and are wondering what to do about it because right now they aren't interested in reconciliation at all. Even if they apologized, I do not want to forgive them, and I know that is wrong. What do I do about it? Who have you talked to this week? What circumstances are they going through? Another person I talked to this week has been confronted, doesn't want to repent. 
Circumstances, always changing. What do I do with it? What do I do about it? Third question, Father, how are you satisfying my heart? What kind of person am I going to be along the way? Is all of this just a game we play? Is all of this just a book of rules to keep? Is all of this just a tradition that I can walk through so that my grandmother, rest her soul, won't be disappointed in me? Or is this the delight of my heart? Father, how are you becoming more and more the satisfaction of my soul? That's a posture of worship. Expose yourself to scripture, practice prayer, adopt a posture of worship for all of life. If you do that, by the way, you've solved a lot of questions that secular philosophers wrestle with when they talk about ethics. They have arguments about whether we should pursue normative ethics or situational ethics or virtue ethics. Normative, situational, virtue, right there, three questions, all, all contained in the metaphor of the path in Scripture. God's word is wise. And the world's best philosophers are wrestling with the questions that are answered for us right here. Stay close. Stay close to God's mouth. Listen. Ask him these questions. Listen to what he says in the word. Listen to what he says to you in prayer. Let him shape you in a posture of worship. Be quick. Be quick. Stay close to God's mouth. Be quick. Be quick to seek advice when you're not certain. Proverbs has this to say in chapter 15, verse 12. A scoffer doesn't like to be reproved, told he's wrong, corrected, rebuked. A scoffer doesn't want that, so he won't even go to the wise to ask advice in the first place. I'm afraid I might be wrong, and if I am, I don't want to know it, so I ain't going to ask you. Look how foolish that is. Proverb is saying, be quick. Be quick. Be quick to ask for help. Be quick to seek advice. Be quick to conclude, you know what? I may be wrong. I may need someone with greater wisdom on this, whatever the this is. It could be academic, it could be intellectual, it could be relational, it could be spiritual, it could be financial, it could be anything. Be quick to say, I'm not all that. I might be wrong. And if I am, I need somebody to tell me that. Be quick to seek forgiveness when you're not just uncertain, but you know you're in the wrong. Be quick. He who is often reproved, corrected, rebuked, challenged, yet stiffens his neck will suddenly be broken beyond healing. That's the warning from Proverbs. Be quick to let your heart become soft when you know that you are in the wrong. Be quick to tell someone you are sorry. Be quick to confess to someone that you have wronged them. When you don't know the best way to reconcile with someone you've hurt, be quick to ask a wise person what's the best way to go about this. Be quick to ask a third party to help you repair that relationship if you need that help. Be quick. Be quick to go to God and say, I think I've hurt you too. 
and there's only one third party who can do anything about it. His name is Jesus. And he was suddenly broken so that we could be healed. Be quick to seek healing in human relationships. Be quick to seek healing in your relationship with God. All of that requires going outside. You have to get outside the little box of your own opinions about truth and the world. This may be the hardest thing for us to do in our current cultural climate. It's so easy to just listen to voices that are affirming what you already believe. It's so easy to only be around people who will pat you on the back and say, you're one of us, don't ever change. We like it just this way. <laughs> Listen to what God is saying to us in Proverbs. I think this is relevant for life in the age of uh, social media. Whoever isolates himself seeks his own desire. He breaks out against all sound judgment. You know anybody who's struggling with isolation? You know anybody who's wrestling with kind of living in their own little bubble? You know anybody that's got a screen in their pocket that makes it really easy to stay in that bubble, to get in that bubble 30, 50, 70 times a day? Have you ever looked at that thing that tells you how much screen time you've had during the day? And you're like, oh, it's been 20 minutes. And you pop it up and you're like, seven hours, what the? Mm, really easy to stay in that little bubble to get isolated. Look what the next verse says. A fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Most of us carry a tool with us every day. And that tool, whether we like it or not, is designed to train us to hear only the things we're interested in hearing. That's how the algorithms work. If you click it once, they will feed you more of it. If you like X, we will give you X, 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 X. Every once in a while, I like a little J, too. What happened to V? What about H? Or H, as they say it in Australia, I think. No, you're not going to get that. That's not how the logarithm works. That's the logarithm, algorithm. That little tool will give you as many opportunities every day as you want to express your own opinion. It won't ask you to express it in wise ways. It won't ask you to express it in loving ways. If you want to become a flamethrower who scorches everybody who reads what you have to say, you can do it. That little tool, it won't discipline you. It won't warn you about the relational consequences. It will just let you express your opinion happily all the time. Shaped by voices that just reinforce your opinion all the time. Go outside. Go outside. Stay close to God's mouth. Listen to what he has to say. Let's be quick to say when we're wrong. Quick to question that whether we might be wrong. Quick to repent, quick to confess, quick to apologize, and let's get outside the bubble of our own little 
opinions and perspectives. Now, here comes the problem. We're going to find this problem expressed, as you know we would, in a book called The Fellowship of the Ring. You can't hang around in town without hearing about lions from Narnia or hobbits and other creatures from Middle Earth. So Frodo's quoting Bilbo, and he says, you know what, Frodo? Going outside? Kind of scary. It's a dangerous business, Frodo, going out of your door. Jim, I know you're judging me. You're trying not to, but I'm having to read this. And Jim's like, I could be doing this from memory. <laughs> Some of us are not yet wise, right? And we're, and we're having to grow. It's lifelong learning. It's a dangerous business. Going outside your door is scary. No knowing where you might be swept off to. Going outside is scary. What if I ask somebody for advice and I look stupid? And they know, I don't know what I'm talking about. What if I do that? Uh, what if I hear someone challenge me and, and confront me and, and tell me that I've hurt them? And it devastates my sense of who I am because I like to think I'm a pretty nice guy. I like to think that if I've hurt you, I would know it. What if I leave that conversation gutted? What if stepping outside, my sense of who I am becomes dangerous? What if I stay close to God's mouth and he tells me something hard? What if he tells me something is true and I thought it was false? What if he tells me to do something that I don't want to do? That sounds scary. Here's what the gospel says to us. And we don't have to be afraid. It may feel scary at times, walking this path that God has mapped out for us. But we know he is not against us. How do we know that? What's the greatest proof we have of that? His son Jesus came and lived and died and rose again. God isn't against us. He's for us. If you come to him with faith in Jesus, he says now and forever, I am for you and nothing can be against you. He's saying, I don't think you're stupid. Even if you're wrong about some things, it's not because you're stupid. I'm for you. I want you to learn and grow. Even if you need to be confronted because you've hurt other people, even if you need to be forgiven by him and by others, he doesn't want to leave you devastated and gutted and empty. He says, I am for you. I have done everything necessary to forgive you for this and for all the things you don't even know you've done. I am for you. And if he tells you something hard, it's because he wants to be your shield. 
He wants to protect you and keep you on a path that leads to life and love forever. He wants you to be on a path of learning over and over and over again how much he is for you. Let's give him thanks for that. Lord God, thank you for speaking. You give wisdom. If you didn't give this gift, we wouldn't have it. If we have wisdom from any source in this world, it's ultimately a gift from you. From your mouth come knowledge and understanding. Thank you for speaking truth. Thank you for sending your son so that we could know that you are for us and not against us. Grow our faith in him. Whether we've never had it before this day, whether we've had it and thought it was thriving, we've had it and started to lose it. Grow our trust for and our love for Jesus, we pray. Amen.